so you, you heard the announcement. Um, Ruth and I had a baby. I mean, really, Ruth did. I, I watched, um, and, uh, and she was so uh, amazing. My wife is a rock star, and um, every time it's a miracle to me how this happens. Um, and it's, it's, it, I really enjoyed the experience. I mean, it was... Um, but my wife, God bless her, um, uh, had our baby uh, girl at 11.02. Oh, it's 11.02 now. 11.02 p.m. Um, hey, uh, 11.02 p.m. Wednesday night and Thanksgiving we had in the hospital with uh, hospital food, which is amazing. And because, um, yeah, turkey sandwich and yeah. Um, but I, I have a picture of our, of our daughter. Her name's Romilly Luca Martini. We got the little girl there. She struggles to open her eyes. She's like, I just, I just want to sleep and eat. And um, our, our kids love her. And, and uh, so she's the latest and maybe the last edition of her family. We'll see. I'm just kidding. That's sort of a joke for Ruth because I know she's watching. <laughs> this, according to her, is the last edition. So, all right. Um, yeah, and we're just so thankful for all your prayers, your support, all the messages and, and thoughts uh, that you've sent our way. We really appreciate you guys as a community of support, and um, you know, we're, our hearts go out to you. Ruth is so thankful for you all. Um, keep her in prayer. She's uh, doing what new moms do. Um, she's uh, up about every hour, every two hours all through the night, and, um, and it wakes me up a couple times, but I'm like, you know, okay with it. Um, <laughs> But for her, you know, obviously she's taking the brunt of it all, so just keep her in prayer. Um, so we're going to continue our series on transformation. This will be one of our last um, uh, messages on transformation. Transformation is, is something that is a core value to who we are at New Life City. Um, if you haven't uh, been around, uh, our core values are right behind me. We, um, we focus on the presence of God. We focus on a life of prayer. We focus on the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in our lives that continues to change us into the image of Christ. And we also focus, a core value is evangelism because once you experience his presence, once you have this deep prayer life and he transforms you, there's, there's, nothing, that, that, but there's nothing you wanna do but share the gospel, share the love of Jesus with people and that's real transformation. This is not just a tradition of religion, this is a relationship that's active and alive and thriving. This should be for all of our lives and this is why there are core values at New Life City. So we're going to continue in that uh, vein and in that theme. And, um, and I just want to talk about transformation as it is, uh, I call this a journey in time, that this is not a one and done scenario alone, but this is actually a continual process that should be in and through our lives daily. This is not something that we just, uh, uh, happens in one day. Uh, we are justified in one day. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. He resides in us and he uh, continually transforms us into the image of Christ. We have his righteousness, so we are justified. God's forgiven us and will continue to forgive us of our sins because of his atoning sacrifice for us. However, I haven't found anyone perfect but Jesus yet, including myself. And so what this means is, is that there needs to be a continual moment of transformation in your life. It doesn't just stop. Transformation 
is, is the process to reflect Christ more and more. And like I said before, you are justified in a moment, but sanctified over time. And we need to continually let Jesus remove things in our lives, and we need to let him add things to our lives. And transformation ultimately looks like Jesus, walks like Jesus, speaks like Jesus, and the Holy Spirit does this. But we need to continually commune with Jesus for this process to continually take place. So God did save us, right? When we accepted Christ, he saved us. He's continually saving us, and he will save us. This is a full scope salvation. This is not just um, uh, one and done. We got our ticket into heaven, and now we're just waiting to die. Some people treat Christianity like that. It's like, did you get, did you get that ticket to heaven? I, I, I got saved like 25 times when I was growing up in church because we, uh, we had this uh, production company that is a traveling Christian production company. Uh, I don't know if they came through New Mexico, but they were called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. Has anyone ever heard of this production company? And uh, there was a great, great time. Uh, there was a lot of salvations. Let me explain it to you. So what they would do is they would come and they would have this type of script. Um, they would create the stage on, the, on the, this side of the stage. It would be hell. And there would actually be like red fabric and, and uh, fans that blew the flames. And, um, and they would have someone dress up as a devil who was really scary looking. And, uh, and then on this side, they, um, they made into the stage uh, heaven. And there was uh, Jesus and the angels and the book of life. And, um, and then down the center aisle, there was always like a skit, right? And so they would have like maybe nine to 10 skits. And some of them would be like this family driving a car and arguing about where to eat. And, and, uh, and, then, and then they have a crash. And, um, and then they appear before Jesus in the book of life. And if their name's not in there, all of a sudden, Satan comes out and, you know, the organ music's playing. It's like scary. He's like, ha, ha, ha. And he drags this family to hell. And then they're like, does anyone want to get saved? And everyone's like, yes, I want to get saved. And, uh, and if you're a child, this is traumatizing. Um, I was like, maybe I'm not in the book of life. I don't know. Maybe, I, you know, like, just in case I'm coming forward. And so, um, and, you know, and, and of course there was really... Um, good fruit from it, but there's also uh, therapy that had happened as well from those productions. Um, and, and, and then they, they went on, and sometimes we think of it, our salvation, as just this thing. It's, you know, you, you believe in Jesus, and he's your savior, and you don't keep him your Lord. And so this transformation basically stops because you're not continually in communion with him. It's, it's, it's way more than just this ticket into heaven. It's actually a lifestyle that you're communing with Christ and he's continually changing you. And so uh, it boggles my mind I, for my own self as well as for, I, I believe, the church because technically we have the greatest life coach in the history of the universe and we minimally use him. Like, we should meet with him. We should talk to him. We should be praying with him. We should be, be, be asking Christ, how, what else is in my life that I need to remove? What else is in my life that I need to add to? This, this is not just a moment. You know, there's, there's moments of deliverance that will happen in your life. And I, I, I remember a moment of deliverance that happened in my life that was just a wild deliverance. I don't think I shared. Did I ever share this? this? I told you I was going to share it, and I'm not sure if I did on one of my messages, but in the bus... 
Oh, okay, that's right. But um, I have a message of deliverance. You know, I was in um, a global school, Supernatural Ministry. I, was, I did this short ministry school, and they kind of teach you how to pray for the sick, and, and then they send you off to Brazil. But before I was in, even in Brazil, before I was even in Brazil, I, I was uh, at the school. I thought I was God's gift to the school and that everything was great in my life. And uh, I'm the youngest of four children, and so, um, I, you know, to get attention as a child, I, I like to be funny, and one of my, um, I thought was a gift, I found out later it was a, uh, not such a great gift, was I, I had the gift of sarcasm, but like mean sarcasm, which is not fun. And I thought I was being funny, and I thought I was, but I didn't realize how destructive sarcasm was. Actually, the meaning of sarcasm means tearing of, the, tearing of one's flesh. I mean, it's, you know, it's like it always cuts when, it, when you laugh. And, uh, and, so, um, and so I didn't realize that I, I would make people cry after everyone's laughing, you know, and, and I, 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 I didn't realize this was a, an issue in my life. Uh, I, I never thought about it as that. I thought I was really funny. And... Um, and I, I probably was funny to a lot of people. But anyway, one, one night, and uh, you know, I'm just, I'm in my apartment in ministry school, but I, I go to sleep and I have this dream. I have this dream that I'm in Brazil. And when you're in Brazil, they have you on these um, like Greyhound buses because, you know, it's a large group of students. And so I was, in, I was on this Greyhound bus and all the seats were filled except the seat next to me. I'm sitting next to the window. And this girl, I, I actually, you know, a real girl, a classmate of mine, her name's Jen Yesalonis. Jen, if you're watching, hey, um, you were in my dreams. Um, not that way, Ruth. Um, so we, she, she came and sat next to me, and I don't remember what I said, but I said something really sarcastic to her in my dream. And she said, she looks at me in my dream and says, come out in the name of Jesus. And I pass out. In my dream, I, I black out. And I wake up in my dream. This is all still my dream. And I said, what happened? And she said, Paul, you had a demon. And Jesus sets you free. And I didn't realize that I was carrying around and I allowed a foothold of, of, of a tormenting, sarcastic spirit in my life that was actually destructive to me. And Jesus loved me so much that he set me free in my dreams. Like, I don't know how it happens. There's no, there's no like user manual in here. It's like how to set people free in their dreams. It just happened. It was a sovereign act of God and I'm so grateful for it. Now, I, it doesn't mean I'm not sarcastic at all. I'm, I still have a little bit. But Jesus is working on me. Um, but this is a powerful thing. Now, I, I thought I was... I was good, I thought God had done all he wanted to do in my life and then everything ended right there and then I went to ministry school and now I'm, I've, I've hit the pinnacle of perfection but man, was I absolutely wrong. My ministry school helped me see how wrong I was. You know, um, some of my story you guys know where I, um, Thanksgiving night 15 years ago, I was outside of a bar and God sent an angel my way spoke over my life in an instant set free and started a journey of living for Jesus. But it wasn't like a journey like this. That's what I wish it was. It's often much more different than what we picture it should be. I actually saw this image floating around uh, the internet uh, 
And I thought, man, this is so true about our journey and our transformation process. Do you mind showing that picture, Jeff? This is my plan. Of course, I have hair in this plan. Long, luscious hair. On a bike, there's the goal. Point A to point B, there I am. And then often, this is God's plan. Obstacles, hills, trenches, water, storms. Now, what's great about God's plan is oftentimes he uses these things to continue to refine us and redeem us and strengthen us and bring us even more into who he is. You can take that image down now. So I, um, after that time in, in the bar, I, I started reading the word every day and I started communing with the Lord every day and, and um, I just, I ate, I ate it up. You know, when, when you have this encounter with Jesus, his word becomes so much more life-giving. You're like, man, everything just, just, just jumps off the page and it's like everything's speaking to me and, and, um, and, and I was not an image of perfection at all. I was just hungry. And there would be times where I would fall and I would fall hard. My, my, my sanctification process is more like a roller coaster sometimes in some seasons. But little by little, God would start to refine me. I remember when I, um, uh, let me just kind of tell you a little bit more about my life. From the age of 14 to 16, I had this incredible journey with Jesus. I was uh, radically saved at a young age at 14 years old. Um, I was living for the Lord. I gave up a lot of secular things just to be close to Jesus. I started going on missions trips with my church. I went to uh, five or six different nations in Africa from the age of 14, 15, 16. Every summer I would go to Africa with this team. And, um, and I was being personally mentored by uh, one of the pastors of the church who used to be a professor of a university. And he would literally take me up to the, uh, we, he would give me a study. He would say, study the word on rest. And I'd have to, this is before you know, computers were used in study. And, uh, and I would have to look up every word on rest and write down every possible definition and write every verse that ever was written on rest and then come up with a whole uh, series of what, what rest is. And then he would get me a little pulpit. We'd go up to the like small chapel by myself. He would sit in the chair and he would tell me, preach. So I'd preach and then he'd say, okay, cut this out. Don't do that. And he'd have me do it again and again. And, um, and so in Africa, I was you know, even speaking at a young age. And, uh, and then I went... I fell away from the Lord. I went after everything the world could offer and I went hard for, for, for a long time until my early 20s when I had that experience at the bar. And God said, Paul, I wanna use you. Paul did great things in the Bible. He wants to do great things through you. Now, I never really believed that God wanted to use me, but I was so grateful that God rescued me from the bar that night and I struggled with this identity issue God, you'd really, I know you love me now, but you really wouldn't ever want to use me again because I just felt like I was useless. I had this big D on my chest. And, and that man, that man who um, uh, used to bring me up into uh, and taught me how to uh, speak and, 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 and study the Bible and do uh, a hermeneutical uh, interpretation of the Bible, all that stuff, 
he approached me and said, Paul, I have a problem. I'm taking this team of young students over to Africa again, and usually I have an assistant who can help me lead. The team's too big. We're going to split up into two groups. I know you don't want to do ministry again, you like you, you because I kept telling him God's not gonna use me. He goes, but would you please just help take a team? Like, you know how to go through customs, you know how to you know, travel well and all that stuff, so would you help these young college kids? I said, okay, I pro- I'll, I'll do it for you. I kinda wanted to get away out of, out of the, uh, the US anyway to just clear my head, but I said, I, you, know, you know what I've done. I've just, been, I've just lived such a bad life in the past you know, 10 years. Um, uh, I just, I'm, I'm not gonna speak, I'm not gonna do anything. You promised me, he's like, oh, absolutely, just take these people over. I was like, fine. So we get over there, and um, uh, he ends up uh, a week into it. He goes, Paul, I'm so sorry, but we're going to be splitting up in, into two teams, and you're supposed to you know, be in an encampment at this team, and we're supposed to have someone preach at that church, but now no one wants to preach at that church, and would you please just, you know, you could, you could just do anything. Just read a Bible verse. Don't, you know, and I said, I told you, I can't do that. I don't feel worthy to do anything like that. I can't do anything like that. And because, look, I've done so many bad things. I don't even want to tell you because I don't want to give the devil that much glory. Okay? And I, but I'm just so grateful Jesus redeemed them from me. I mean, I didn't murder anybody or anything, but, you know. But, but, so I said, I said, well, you tell those missionaries who had invited us that I'm not, I, you know, I don't think anything's gonna, like, I'm not gonna be able to preach a good message or anything. I haven't, I haven't done any ministry in over 10 years. And uh, he said, okay, uh, yeah, that's fine. And so I'm, I'm ready to go. I, I just, like, write down a verse. I write down a couple points. I don't even know what to say. And um, the missionary's been there for a long time. She said, her name's Becky. She said, hey, I just want you to know these people are cold-hearted people. I, I've been here for 20 years or whatever, and I haven't seen, I, like they come here for our social services, they're nurses and stuff, and they take care of them. She goes, but you know, I've never seen God move in this church. I just want you to like prepare you. I was like, oh great, that's great, thanks. Thank you, thank you for that. It's great. So um, I had this experience. I I go and I um, I open my Bible and I and I read the verse and I felt the Holy Spirit come upon me. And I and and what's crazy is like because there's translation. I get to process a little bit longer than I do now. And uh, I'm like, what's going on? And so I, I start to preach my points, but it was like, I couldn't even keep up with what I was saying. It was like the Lord was just speaking through me. And then I had this experience, which I know sounds crazy, but I'm just gonna share it anywhere, where I saw myself preaching to this crowd. It, it was the weirdest experience I've ever had. It wasn't like forever, it was just for a moment. And, um, and I start looking out in the crowd. I get, you know, I'm, I'm back, you know, preaching, but I'm looking out and people are weeping. They're falling out of their chairs. And before I can get finished, they're running to the altar. And the team, the, the young people, they're like on their faces. And I'm like, God's here. Like, how could God show up? And, uh, and the first thing I wanted to do was, well, if God's here and he wants to use us, let's go pray for the sick. I'd never done it before in my life, but we went to a hospital wing. We just started praying for, for this sick hospital wing. And I didn't, um, you know, people were gracious and it was awesome. And uh, I didn't see any immediate results, but that was the journey where I was like, man, 
I want to see God heal people. And that's where I started. But there was a sanctification process of even changing what I thought God thought about me. See, I had this issue that, you know, at first I didn't really believed he could love someone like me, but then I understood that, and then I believed that there, I, I wasn't worth uh, much, like, like I'm not worth loving that much, and then I get this understanding of the prodigal son and how, how Jesus is after us, the Father is after us, that, that he wants us restored, and he'll do anything, spend anything, and he has spent everything to get us. So I, I wanna talk a little bit about the process of transformation, how it's really important not to rush the process. See, a lot of us want us to get from A to B. We're like, all right, God, I'm ready, sign me up. I wanna do this. But there's a process that's involved before we can get to the next place that God wants to take us. There's a gestation period. There's this period of growth and development. Let's go to uh, Joshua 3, one through five as our text. Now, I wanna explain something to you theologically uh, in theology, we have uh, uh, something called typology, which is uh, when we're reading things in the Old Testament, they point to things in the New Testament. They become, uh, uh, the things in the Old Testament point and, be, and it becomes a shadow in the New Testament. So there's scriptures of the Old Testament that we know are prophesying of Jesus. Some people think, well, should I just not read the Old Testament and just only read the New Testament because we're in the New Covenant? It's like, no, the Old Testament, as you can see all these covenant promises that are on the walls here, you know, the Old Testament, it, 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 it marries the New Testament because it's been pointing to who Jesus is. And so when we read it, we need to understand with the understanding that this is all pointing to Jesus. And, and yes, we, un, we need to understand the context of what's happening, but you also need to understand that that it's also telling us who we are. And, and, and Israel, in this context, is pointing, is a representation of the church. It's, it's, it's both end. It's not just one or the other, but it's a representation of the church. And so Israel is a representation of the church. It's a representation of you. And so when we read about Israel getting out of bondage of Egypt, that's like Jesus setting us free. You see that typology? Um, and then, and then uh, 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 the 40 years in the wilderness can be looked at as a process of learning obedience and dependence on the Lord. And then when we uh, go into the promised land, God sending the Canaanites, Canaanites out of the land of Israel is a type of sanctification, can be viewed as a type of sanctification in our own lives. And this is one of the issues of Israel is that when they possessed the promised land, they were told to kick out all the Canaanites and they didn't. And because of that, there was dire consequences because there was idol worship still happening in Israel and affected the Israelites because they became idol worshipers. And that can be, that's like a, that, you can see that as a picture. It's like when we receive salvation, we receive Christ in our life and we don't continually sanctify and we allow things to stay in our lives. When we allow immoral acts to stay in our lives because we just enjoy them so much, but we're like, I love Jesus, you know, he's my Lord, he's my, but we're still allowing these little areas of our lives uh, uh, to, to be occupied that shouldn't be, uh, it's not godly. So anyway, let's look at Joshua 3, one through five. It says this, then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days, the officers went through the camp, 
And they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now, sanctification back then would be often a ritual cleaning process. You know, they would, they would cleanse themselves physically. They would um, uh, do a, a, an offering and sacrifice and ask for forgiveness and, and, and do all those things that we don't have to do anymore because Christ has died once and for all. So we can repent, confess, repent of our sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and that sanctification process. But what's so interesting here is Joshua says, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. This is where the Israelites are now uh, going to take the promised land. What they've done was they've, they've uh, wandered in the uh, wilderness for 40 years, and, uh, and everyone has now, that had come out of Egypt, everyone except for two, really, has, have died. And now there's this new generation that God waited to come up because the old generation did not uh, find themselves worthy to continue to be faithful in obedience to God. So he just was like, well, if you don't believe that I'll take this land for you, how many of you remember he took out 12 spies, two came back with good reports, 10 were like, no way, that land's filled with giants, they're gonna kill us all, let's just stay in the wilderness. And because they believed the reports of the 10, Everyone in that generation had passed away, and now just the two were left to take this promised land with a new generation. Now, what's interesting is this Jordan that they're crossing, the Ark and the Covenant is going to go before them, and when the priest's feet set, stand in the Jordan, it says that the rivers are held back, and the land is dry, and the Israelites cross the Jordan. And what's interesting about that is that there's a whole new generation that are experiencing something the first generation did. Remember when Moses crossed the Nile and he stuck out the staff, God told him to stick out the staff and the waters were held back? Well, now this new generation is seeing the faithfulness of God in this area. And, and Joshua says, sanctify yourselves before you do this. Sanctify yourselves because when you do, you will see the wonders of the Lord among you. Eventually, they'll get these instructions to cross the Jordan River and see the miracle as the Ark of the Covenant goes first and the priests hold its waters back, uh, hold the waters of the Jordan back. And, and, and I, I, wanna, I wanna kind of encourage us to remember the promises of God over your life and over our lives so that we can continue to be faithful to Jesus so that he will continue to sanctify us as we stare at him, as we look unto him into his glory, we start to reflect his glory. We start to become transformed by him and he starts to remove things out of our lives. I remember when I was um, uh, uh, still being transformed, and I still am, but but from that time of, of being in Africa and then, and then dedicating my life totally to God and saying, God, if you wanna use me, I'll let you use me. But you know, he started delivering me of things and, I, and I started, he started pointing things out and I started having to repent of them. Things I didn't think 
were issues in my life. And I thought, God, why are you taking that away from me? You know, I said this to the staff, and I think it's been repeated, but I said to the staff, I said, you know, what was tolerated in the last season isn't permissible in this season. There's things that God's gonna start asking you to remove in your life, not because they're just immoral, but because it could be a distraction for what he wants to do in your life. Start refining you, saying, you know what? This is actually gonna be an, a significant issue in your life. Some things that God showed me, you know, I, I remember being in a ministry uh, time and the, and the Lord showed me that, you know, that I was projecting my earthly father's failures onto God. My father was great, he was awesome, wonderful. He was, he was home a, a lot. Um, and I just, but he, he wasn't very, um, he wasn't there all the time. And so, you know, I started projecting that. Hey, I know God's there, but he's just not engaging, right? These are natural things that were happening. And God said, do you realize that this lie that you're believing is actually keeping you from understanding me in a greater way? Because I'm not like that. You need to understand who my love is, what my love is, and who I am. And so I had to, I had to repent and say, Jesus, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry that I was thinking of you in that way. Of course, I didn't mean it, but he was exposing this so that I could repent and, and go on. You know, I, um, I was interviewing a, a worship leader one time. Uh, I, I did a podcast uh, a couple years ago um, did about 100 episodes, and I was able to um, uh, interview a, a, a lady named uh, Stephanie Gretzinger, and um, she is a worship leader at Bethel for, for many years, and, um, and she was talking about, you know, the fear of man and, I, and you know, how God was giving her, um, you know, uh, conviction because she kept allowing the fear of man uh, get in her way, and, and I said, what did God do? Did he... Did he give you boldness? Did, you know, did, did, he, you know, did he empower you to just like get over that? What did he do? And she said, oh no, none of that. I had to repent. When I repented and confessed my sin, it was like he healed that fear that I had of man. And that gave me the opportunity to come before him. Sometimes we, when we get saved, we kind of, it's like, God, we're accepting Jesus into our hearts, right? We accept him into our hearts. We're saying, God, you can have residence. But we actually more or less treat him as a guest in our house. Have you ever had a guest in your house? I hope so. It's interesting about houses and guests. My, there's areas of my living space that I will leave untouched and allow things to gather. And they totally are not even, like I don't see them. I see past them, around them. I'm sure my wife would love it if I would see them. But they're not, they're there, but they're not there. But then all of a sudden, I'll have a guest coming. I don't know if you guys experience this, but all of a sudden, we start cleaning, like more than we ever did. And I'm like, what is this pile? You know, I'm like, this is a random pile. Oh, these are like bills I need to like, you know, go through and, you know, I paid them, you know, but Bob, I paid them. Um, but, but, I, but I throw them you know, I'm like, I just need to file these away and put the, and, and, and I, we start organizing and, and we're getting ready for our guests, which is great. And, and maybe we do that with Jesus. We're like, Jesus, you know, welcome to my home. Welcome to my life. You can have, you know, I'm cleaning things up, God. You know, I'm not cursing anymore. 
smiling at people now and holding my tongue when people cut me off in traffic and, you know, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And I, and I always find that when I'm cleaning everything I can't figure out, I open my bedroom door and I throw it in there. And before those guests come over, do you know what door stays locked? That bedroom door, especially when you have little children because they want to show everybody everything. <laughs> Closets get full, bedroom gets full. And, um, and I, sometimes I treat Jesus that way. I don't let him in to every room of the house. And not only that, and this speaks to what Josh was preaching on the other week, I still think I own the house. See, the reality is when you really let Jesus into your life, you give him the keys. And you say, I'll give you every room, even the ones I'm embarrassed about, even the ones I don't even know how to fix yet. And... Um, I'll let you change how it looks. I kind of like a Southwest look, but you might like a Victorian home. I don't know. But you know what I'm saying is that Jesus starts changing things. When you really give him ownership, he starts saying, you don't need this furniture anymore. Those paintings you used to hang, they're not kosher. We're gonna, we're gonna take them down. You know, the, you keep the temperature too high in your house. You know, I don't know. But there's things that, that we, we don't understand that when we give him our life, it becomes a life of transformation. And we say, Jesus, you own this house, this temple, and I'm giving you the keys to it. I'm taking my name off the deed and now do what you want and let him fix it up. Let him in, let him into every room and let the Holy Spirit speak to you about which rooms you still have. I was, um, oh, never mind. okay, well, let's keep going. Sorry, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna land this plane real soon. So Jesus is with you and he's for you and God loves you. I definitely want you to remember that. Jesus is with you, he's for you, he loves you and he and he wants to continually transform and refine your life. Now, we, we read about Joshua uh, and him going over the Jordan and taking, starting to take the land uh, of Israel that will, will then become the land of Israel. But let's go to chapter one, verses one through 10. I just wanna read, verses one through nine, excuse me. I just wanna read this to you. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all your people, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea towards, uh, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. 
and no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Listen, Jesus wants to sanctify you through and through and break off every stronghold, heal every wound, make you whole. Be strong, be courageous. He's not gonna forsake you. Commune with him daily. Give him your life. Give him your whole house. And watch what he does with you and your family. You will prosper. You will have success. You won't be a millionaire per se. Maybe you will. But that's not what we're talking about success is. Success is starting to reflect the image of Christ for you and your family. And sometimes he uses circumstances, suffering, things of this world to do that. Take advantage of those times. Allow that process to refine you into the image of Christ. Why don't you stand? Well, I just feel that there is, this is ongoing for life. My life, your life. And I just feel that this is something that's gonna be a major influence of who we are, especially in this city, in this community. None of us have made it in terms of being an image of Christ, a perfect image of Christ. But as we become transformed into his image, may we give it away. May we, may we go to our neighbors, may we go to our community, may we love well, may we show that what that reflection looks like. So why don't you close your eyes, bow your heads. I wanna pray with you. God, I just thank you for the opportunity we have to actually commune with you daily, to be transformed by you daily. Lord, I pray that you would continually refine us, that you would continually point out the rooms, the locked rooms we have in our lives, that we've not let you in yet. Things that maybe we thought could never be healed or never be free from. We surrender to you right now. Forgive us for thinking we still own this house, God. We give you the keys right now, I just say. I give you every key to every door, God. I wanna be a guest in your house now, Lord. And I'll conform to the way you wanna run. We give you our lives, God. Every day, we give you our lives. Lord, we repent of stinking thinking. Thinking about lies that aren't true, about how much you love or don't love us and 
how much we're unworthy, but God, we're just so thankful that you've qualified us, that you've made us worthy and that you love us for what you've done for us. So Lord, I just pray right now, just search every heart. Just like David asked, search every heart. And show us what we're still holding on to that we can give to you because you're so good. You'll take it and transform it. And Lord, whatever that is, whatever we've just been shown, we just release it to you. We repent and we release it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God, I bless them. May your peace, your joy, your love be upon them and your face shine upon them. Wherever they go, Lord, may they, may they be the light to the entire world. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to welcome anyone forward who wants prayer, who wants someone to, to pray with them and walk with them. Um, could be for anything. We'd love to pray for you. Um, so anyone who's on our prayer team, we just welcome you to come as well. Amen. Bless you guys. We'll see you next week, okay? <laughs>